dads are too kind. Cody, you're good, buddy. We're going to be in Romans 8. If you guys want to make your way there. Romans chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 18. The presence of the Lord is so beautiful right now. It's so wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord. You know, what's going on here in this body is holy. It's so holy. It's so sacred. And may we never take it for granted. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We honor you. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We honor you in this place. We honor your movings. We honor your leadings. We honor your promptings. We honor your voice. We honor your ways. We honor your presence. Reveal Jesus. Reveal Jesus tonight. In a deeper way, Lord, clear out the fog of distractions of life. Block the stranger's voice. Holy Spirit, speak to your bride tonight. Speak to your bride, Holy Spirit. Sarambe, Torande, Kitara. Surame de Lerotus and Delacma, Sundrush Gede. You're so beautiful, Lord. You're so wonderful, Lord. You feel that, beloved? There's nothing like the warmth of the Father's hug. There's nothing like the presence of the king when he walks into the room. <laughs> Break out, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way in us, Lord. You are the reason why we're here, Jesus, to honor you, to adore you. King Jesus, you have your bride's attention. Captivate us tonight with holy reverence. Captivate us by the splendor and the beauty of your majesty, King Jesus. In Jesus' name. Well, that feels good. <laughs> Did I tell you the scripture we're in? Romans 8. Lord Jesus did not come to the earth as a man, die on the cross, resurrect the third day just for you to go to heaven. He who was, he who is, and he who is to come did all of that for total redemption. He wrote a holy contract with the Father that was sealed by his blood, bought and paid for by his holy, precious blood to redeem all of God's creation back to the Father, that what God originally dreamed when he created man and when he created the earth might actually fulfill what his original intent was and that it would progress into a pure, holy covenant with him. There's so much in this scripture and there's no way that I could 
exegetically go through this. But I do want you to capture the three-chord strand that Holy Spirit put in these passages. And it has to do with that Maranatha cry in the last days. It has to do with the moment that we're in right now. Brian often says revelation is what establishes authority, right? So when you grab a hold of this revelation, because I've read Romans 8 so many times that I've never caught this. This truly establishes authority, not only in your life, but also in the earth. Because once revelation grips your heart and you begin to walk into that authority in your life, it impacts the sphere of influence that God has placed you in. Ultimately, transforming that sphere of influence that God has placed you in. And once spheres of influence start turning for the gospel, that's how transformation to a region, transformation to a city, transformation to a nation. So we can say that transformation comes by revelation. And we're in an era where this nation, this region, is in desperate need of transformation. And God, by His grace, is given it by revelation. At least in the 10 years that I've been saved, the past couple years, I don't think I've ever heard the Maranatha cry coming from a bride that's been abroad in the nation and other nations that are crying out, come Lord Jesus, that are preparing themselves, that are allowing themselves to be turned into a new wineskin, that they could steward the new wine that God wants to give to the earth. I don't think I've ever heard it as much as I've heard it in the past two years, that this cry, this revelation, that constantly keeps burning on the hearts of those who have given their lives to Jesus. And it's spirit-inspired. It's the spirit of God within within you and me that's starting to stir up those gifts that God has placed in you, starting to stir up those callings, those anointings, the power that comes by the resurrected Christ. Why? Because Jesus will, will redeem the reward for his suffering. Jesus will redeem all of creation back to the Father. There's a groan in the earth. And I feel like the Holy Spirit really wants to activate a groan within you, a groan of glory, a cry of awakening. He wants to activate in you that cry of the Spirit crying out to the Father, not only for greater works, but total redemption. Total transformation. We're in this place now in the United States where we need revival or we're going to perish. And God, by his grace, has started that revival. No longer am I asking for revival. I'm thanking God for revival. What's going on in these altars as we meet on Saturday night are the beginning stages of revival. When a people begin to go out to the streets and proclaim the name of the Lord and bring the presence of God to a fallen and a broken people in a city and they feel Jesus for the first time, that is the beginning of revival. Revival is when the Spirit of God grips a city, grips a people. There's a groan of, revi- a groan of revival beginning to cultivate in us. And the Holy Spirit wants to increase that. All of creation is groaning for the return of Jesus. All of creation is groaning for the manifestation of Jesus in his church. Verse 18, Paul starts here. And he says, for I consider 
that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be, to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul is explaining to the Romans about the consummation of the age when, when Jesus comes back, when he returns and all of creation is redeemed and we get our glorified bodies. I picture my glorified body like Hulk Hogan, 6'4 and 250 and chiseled. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. That's where my faith is at when I'm caught up. <laughs> just saying. But I want to let you know that eternal life or this groaning for the, for the final consummation, that eternal life starts the day that you get born again. What I said at the beginning is Jesus didn't just come and die on a cross and resurrect the third day just so you could go to heaven. But that you can experience a life here on earth with the Father that ultimately ends when Jesus comes back and then you spend eternity with the Father. So he talks about the glory which shall be revealed in us. That word revealed in the Greek literally means to remove a veil, a covering, and then exposing to open view what was hidden. It means to make manifest or reveal a thing previously secret or unknown, particularly applies to supernatural revelation. Paul says that the glory that is going to be revealed in us, I believe this is a progressive thing, that this starts here in the earth, that ultimately climaxes to the coming of the Lord. God is beginning to reveal the glory which he has prepared for you, in you. As you begin to live a life abandoned to God, as you begin to spend time in the secret place, as the things of this world begin to be pushed back, and the only thing that really matters is the eternal things that are written in his word, that is God cultivating the glory that he has prepared for you in you, to where you live from the spirit of God within you. God is on the move in the United States and in the nations. God is cultivating a groan within you. God is causing the glory of God that he has placed in you by the Spirit of God to begin to be able to bubble up, to begin to, to begin to burst out, to begin to come up and overflow out into a region. There's going to be a supernatural move of the Holy Ghost in this nation the likes of we have never seen. And the reason why God is doing it is because it's the glory. It's the glory that points back to the Father. It is what Jesus gave his life on a tree for. It is the reason why he shed his blood. Is that men and women may know the Father through him. And that he might redeem all of creation back to himself. The word in us, right? The word in refers to being in us. But this is actually a verb. And what a verb is, it's an action word. So what this action is showing, an action of motion. So when Paul writes this statement, he's given an illustration of an eternal truth that there is a supernatural activation from the Father's splendor, his radiance and his majesty, that the Father centered in his son Jesus that is beginning to cultivate and explode out of his bride. He then connects it with creation. He said that the glory shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the what? For the revealing of the sons of God. The word earnest expectation, what it, what it implies is a, an intense anticipation. And creation eagerly waits for this in full expectation. So here's a picture of that. If I was a multi-billionaire, and yes, I'm prophesying over myself. <laughs> if I was a multi-billionaire, and I told you I'm going to write you a check for multi-million dollars, for a multi-million dollar check, but I need you to wait here. I'll be here on this day to give you that check. Friend, you wouldn't be just sitting there in your seat 
just waiting for time to fly by. You would be looking out the doors. You'd be looking out the windows. Every time a car door would shut, you would be right in that window like he's finally here. You would be actively waiting. You would, be, you would have intense anticipation. I'm sorry. But if you told me that you were going to write me a check for a couple million dollars to wait in this room, I'm going to be doing circles around that room. I'm not sitting down. That is what creation is doing as it waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is in a birth pain. It is groaning, for the creation was subjected to vanity, but not willingly, because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So at the fall, not only was man's relationship affected by sin, but so was the earth. The earth is waiting for its deliverance. It's been held captive by the bonds of sin. It has been captive. It has been affected. That's what the scriptures say. All of creation is waiting for its redemption. The whole creation groans and labors with birth pains. And it's waiting for the sons of God and the daughters of God to be fully revealed, to be fully manifest, to fully step in to their God-given prophetic destiny that it might be free. It gives a picture of a woman giving birth, crying out with labor pains and travails. Jesus told us that the earth would change in the last days. In Matthew 25, verses 7 through 8, he tells us about pestilence. He tells us about famines. He tells us about earthquakes. Revelation tells us about mountains being removed. Cosmic signs in the sky. Stars falling. The, 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 uh, the sun being blacked out. The moon being turned into blood. Talk about comets hitting the earth. John said, I seen a mountain of fire burning, hitting the earth, and it killed a third of the population. And I believe those things are literal, because if you read the book of Exodus, how God freed the Jewish people, he had hailstones raining out of heaven. When the Israelites, when they disobeyed God in the wilderness, the ground just opened up and swallowed them. God is speaking by his creation, and Jesus said that in the last days that these things would happen, but they would be like the beginning of sorrows. And then that word beginning of sorrows is translated as a woman in travail as she's giving birth. It's the labor pains. It's not climate change. It's not global warming. It's creation groaning and travailing with intense anticipation, actively waiting for its deliverance and the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Newsflash for politicians. You're not going to stop the labor pangs by your ridiculous regulations. All of creation is groaning and travailing, wanting the revealing of the sons and daughters of God with a Maranatha cry. There is a Maranatha cry coming from the earth. It's like some people want the utopia. It's not going to happen until Jesus comes back. You're not going to have the, the thousand years of peace until Jesus comes back. It's wild how men and women want to have the experience of God, but without God. You can't have it. You can't have divine things. You can't have that without God. God is divine. He's the one that's created it. Romans eight twenty three. You guys with me? You guys catching this? Not only that, but we also. So he's connecting the groan. You see the groan of creation. Now he's connecting it with the bride. He says not only that, but we also, 
who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. This groan, is, it's cultivated by a squeeze or a press of circumstances. Can I submit to you that this squeeze is by the pressure of wickedness trying to set its roots in a, in a generation and pressed by a realization of a prophetic destiny being birthed by the Spirit in the place of prayer and intercession with groans and travails into a people who live a life abandoned to God. That's that groan that you feel that's within you. That's that travail. The bride is beginning to wake up and realize her destiny. It's starting to wake up and realize the prophetic power that God has placed in her by the power of his spirit. The bride is waking up to authority that she has. The bride is waking up to the responsibility and the holy reverence of having the stewardship of the earth. The bride is awake in the earth in 2023. The bride is awake, and you are part of a bride that is awake. While other brides are going woke, while other people are sticking their heads in the sand and trying to pretend the events in the earth are not happening, we are part of a remnant that God is cultivating a groan in, that the greater glory might be revealed in us that the creation itself might be delivered from the bondage of sin. Am I yelling too loud? You guys all right? There's a groan in creation. Thank you. And there's a groan in the earth and the bride. So you see the earth groaning. You see the bride groaning. And it's from a people that knows there's more. Friend, I want to tell you. I'll say it like David Wilkinson said it. If preaching the gospel or, or being a Christian is just showing up to a church whenever they have service times, maybe even two, two days a week, and then just going home and watching smut on TV, I want nothing to do with it. You're not offering, or not you, but that's not offering anything that the world isn't offering. Being a Christian is the best thing that I've ever been, that I've ever been. Like, I, I was nothing before I met Jesus. I was just some gang-banging, drug-doing, womanizing Idiot, to be honest, until I met Jesus, it gave me purpose in my life. Because I was created to be loved by God. And I was created to love God because he loved me first. And then God put his spirit within me. And then God said, I've adopted you. And then God said, I've given you promises. And then God said, I've given you the power of my spirit. And then God says, I'm going to have you trample on circumstances that drown most people. Then God said, I'm going to protect you from the scorpion and from the serpent. If God be for you, who can be against you? Somebody needs to hear that tonight. God didn't save you to be put into a pit of despair. God saved you to be victorious. God saved you to be a victor. God saved you to be a testimony. God's, come on. God didn't save you just to do church. And you know that. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm just saying it in the spirit. God didn't save us just to do church. God didn't save us just to sing good songs. God didn't save me just to hear myself talk. God saved me to tear per, per, principalities and powers down out of a region. That's why God saved me. God saved me to tell the gospel to somebody that's lost so they might have Jesus in their life. That's why God saved me. God saved me to go down to Main Street and preach the gospel. To set the captive free. And that's why God saved you. 
God saved you so you might know what true love is when the Father embraces you. God saved you to step on the devil's neck. Can I say that again? God saved you to step on the devil's neck, to step on his head. He might bruise your heel, but you're going to crush his head. I want to read a quote from a really good book, and you may have heard of it. Unstoppable and Unquenchable Fire. And if you haven't read it, you really need to. On page 184, this wonderful author pens this. Shout out to Brian. I believe real, this is what Brian's saying in his book. I believe real travailing prayer is the place where the Lord lays his heart upon ours. And we see and experience his pain and emotions. We experience the agonizing depths of mankind's portrayal of our gracious and loving father. I read that experience, this, this quote because I've had this experience. And it doesn't leave you with despair when there's repentance coupled with it. And when you let the joy of his forgiveness wash you. And the reverence and the responsibility of the stewardship that God has entrusted with really grips your heart. My wife and I have, have I've really went through some loss when it comes to trying to have a child. And it's been nothing short of heart-wrenching. But in 2020... And it really, in a really dark transit, not dark transition, but just a dark place while transitioning. You know, we, we went through a miscarriage. And I'll never forget. Being alone in that parking garage, just screaming, top of my lungs, crying out to God. I'll never forget it. God, where are you at? Why, why is this? We went through five. We've prayed for three couples now that's had a baby. And I, we rejoice in that. But you can get into a real dark place without revelation. And in that moment, crying out, screaming out to God, the, the Father's voice came right into my spirit. And he said, Shane, I know exactly how you feel. And in my stupidity and, and in my flesh, I said, God, how can you possibly know how I feel? And he said, son, this is how I feel every time a woman gets an abortion. I feel helpless. That night, God put his heart on my heart for the preborn in this nation. And, friend, I'm going to tell you, Sarasota is going to be written in the books of heaven that they stood for life. And this old boy right here and that girl right there is going to be written in heaven that we stand for life. And friend, my heart was set on fire. My heart is set on fire to this day. And this is how I declare war against Satan. This is how I fight my battles. As I stand in the authority that God has given me. And I stand in the grace and the faith that God has given me. And I declare war by his word. And he has said that abortion will be overturned in Florida. It will be overturned. Friend, I don't know the timetable on that. But I'm going to tell you right now, if we put our hands to the pile and weak leadership in this region, wake up. It'll be overturned. Be voted out. 
But I want to tell you, the war is real when it comes to that. You won't believe the wacky theology that's in this region. Let me tell you, the three weeks, four weeks now I'm going on full time, I've learned a lot. I have learned a lot that ministers just do not read their Bible. I honestly, some of them, I mean, not say that. I don't want to go there. There is a remnant emerging in the present revival where Father has placed his heart on theirs. And it has created a heavenly brokenness that has cultivated a holy zeal for the agenda of heaven for earth. And that's what happens when Father places his heart on your heart for a region, for a city, for, for, for an assignment. When you capture the heart of God on something, he, it cultivates the zeal and the reverence for the responsibility. And it, you, you begin to see, you begin to see how Father sees. When you see how Father sees, and this is Revelation, when you see how Father sees, you begin to act like Father would act. And that's why Jesus says, I don't, I don't do anything that I don't see my Father do. He was telling the religious, pious nut jobs of his day, I don't do anything that my Father doesn't do. I don't, I don't say what I don't hear my Father say. Why did Jesus say that? Because he was in tune with his Father. He spent time in the secret place. Many times Jesus said in, in the Gospels that Jesus went away to be alone, to be, to be in the secret. He stayed up all night in prayer. And that's what's so special about this house. Is we love prayer. We're talking to God. And I believe prayer is really going to grow. It's going to explode. Because God wants to give fruit in, his, in the secret place. Man, preparing for this, you want to know how I prepared for this on, on talking about the groan, the groan of creation, the groan of the bride? I got alone in my house and just went nuts. You know, when I groan up here in the spirit, I do that same thing when I'm by myself at the house. My little dog, Copper, comes over like, hey, you, you all right? I, I don't think I've seen you do this before. Gives me a little kiss. God's in cultivating a groan, and this groan is cultivated by prayer. It's hearing what the Father is saying. So when God puts his heart on your heart, you're, and which comes by prayer, you're, you're feeling his emotions. You know God has emotions. God's not an idol. He's not deaf. He's not dumb. He's all powerful. He hears all and sees all. God feels it. And then when God begins to put his... His emotion on your emotions. It sets you on fire. And this, this is where the, the church in the nations has to get before the revealing of the Son of Man. And I believe the more that I grow in the Lord, the more I get in His Word and gain understanding, I believe this groan has a connection with that. All of creation is groaning in birth pangs and cosmic signs and super storms and tidal waves and you name it. Not climate change, right? It's, it's the earth groaning for its deliverance. And then us within ourselves as these things are happening, as we're being pressed by life, as circumstances are starting to press us, we begin to groan within ourselves because our focus is on the king. He says we begin to groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting. There's that term again, eagerly waiting. Intense anticipation for the adoption of our body. He's talking about that glorified body, right? That word adoption, the Greek word, is a technical term, and it's used in Roman law for an act that had specific and legal social effects. I want to read that again. Really hear this. And this is, uh, if you're a concordance person, G5206. So that way you can verify I'm talking about what I'm talking about. <laughs> that word adoption is the Greek word. It's a technical term used in Roman law for an act that had a specific legal, had a specific legal and social effect. And Paul only used this term five times in all of the letters that he wrote in the Bible. Three of those times were in the book of Romans. 
So this adoption, when legally performed, put a man in every respect in the position of a son by birth to him who adopted him. Just like he was the firstborn of the family. So that adopted son possessed the same rights and obligations owed to him. Think about what Jesus gave us, the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption that we were brought in. He bring many sons in. That we have been, we're co-heirs with Christ. I'm, I'm speaking scripture right now, right? I'm not getting in some crazy Looney Tune, wacky theology. This is what this is what the Bible says that that you have been adopted, that you've got the spirit of adoption, that you're co-heirs with Christ, not equal with Christ, co-heirs with Christ, with the same rights and obligations owed to Him is given to you. Someone needs to hear that. That's been suffering from abandonment in this room. Somebody needs a friend. You're not an orphan. You're not an orphan. You have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You have been brought from darkness into marvelous light. You have been given. This is scripture. You have been given the same rights. The same spirit. And the same obligations that, do, that are owed to Christ, they have been transferred to you because he went to the cross. And because he arose the third day, proving that he is the Messiah. Revelation establishes authority. Jesus wrote a contract with the Father and he paid it and sealed it with his own blood. Making a promise that all creation would be redeemed and restored to the original intent Father created it and allowed to progress into a holy and pure covenant. The redemption of our body. This is about when death is swallowed up forever. But this eternal truth starts at the moment that you are born again. Paul states this before Paul states before this we have the first fruits of the spirit that that the down payment of the glory to come the guarantee of the promise of the glory of God placed within we have the first fruits of the spirit so there's a promise is a, starts when you receive the spirit of God when you get born again our redemption of the body starts now with the deliverance from sin and its consequences. I heard Bill Johnson say this one time, if you're waiting to die to be delivered from sin then it, and its consequences, then Lord Jesus is not your Savior, death is. And that is powerful. That is a powerful statement. Are people going to die that are Christians on the earth, in this body? course but they live forever with the Lord but that statement of if you're waiting to die to be delivered from sin and its consequences then Lord Jesus is not your your savior death is that's going straight to the religious mind that's taking the fear of death, taking the fear of life's circumstances out and placing the fear of the Lord in. It's getting your focus off carnal life and putting it on eternal perspectives that the Lord has given. Paul says we groan within ourselves as we eagerly wait. So let the groan of the glory of God be developed in you. Come into the realization of your identity and destiny and let it collide with the fear of the Lord. And let that then express in a groan of revival and a travail of awakening that brings you to a generational reformation. We're alive to be partakers with the Lord, bringing the reward of his suffering. 
and bringing revival and awakening and transformation to cities. And God uses his people. That's why God placed his spirit in people. For the power of God is resting in the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. We have to come into agreement. We have to allow the groan to come out. You'll hear Brian saying, up when, he, when he, we go to transition, he said, there's just a sound of glory in you. Just let it out. Just let it out. Whether that's in another tongue, whether that's a groan, whether that's a scream, there's a sound of glory that God has placed in you, and he is waiting on you to let it out. Romans 8, 24, he said, For we have been saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we what? Eagerly wait. Remember, intense anticipation with perseverance. For far too long the bride of Christ has lost hope, has, has no hope. And I got that from an evangelist that just, when he spoke it, it was like an arrow that hit my heart. He said, Shane, the reason why the church is the way it is is because she has no hope. Because hope is established by power. But hope is being restored by the power of God. What's going on here is very powerful. What's going on in the streets in Sarasota that many of you are partaking in is powerful. What goes on in that prayer room Tuesday night is powerful. What is being built for an altar of the Lord here in this region is powerful. Friend, us just going out, standing up and saying, hey, we don't believe it's okay to kill a baby in the womb. Friend, that's powerful. That is a witness to a region. That is a witness to people that have been so deceived by death. It's powerful. It breaks the hard yoke off their shoulders when they see a witness of truth stand for righteous truth. It's a witness to them. It's God's flashlight to them. Light exposes the faulty thinking of a carnal and demonic world, especially when it's God's light. There's hope rising for the greatest revival planet Earth has ever seen. Because Jesus is going to manifest himself to the earth. But before he does, he's going to manifest himself in his bride. And there is a Maranatha groan that is increasing, saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Man, I want to I encourage you, when you're in your prayer room, just begin. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Redeem all creation. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Redeem all creation. Friend, you'll see how much that changes you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Redeem all creation. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Redeem all creation. When you get in that prayer room Tuesday, you might not grab a mic, but you just being in that presence changes you. Just begin to say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Redeem all creation. Because that's the groan that's coming from the bride. So we have the creation that groans. And then we have we, the bride, who groans. And then in Romans 8.26, it says likewise. That's connecting those two. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit empowers our prayers. And praying in tongues unlocks heaven's groan in the earth. I thank God I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. I thank God that I am. I couldn't even imagine my life if I couldn't pray in tongues. I'll never forget when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and I told the Baptist pastor that led me to the Lord, that I was baptized in the Holy Ghost and prayed in tongues. He goes, man, the devil put that in you to draw you away from God. And I said, boy, didn't that backfire. <laughs> hey, 
Because I'm going to tell you how my heart is with the Lord right now. When I get in the Holy Ghost, let me tell you something what happens. There is an activity. There is a cultivation. Friend, it even, it's even scientifically proven that when you pray in the Holy Ghost, your brain is affected. So when you need a renewed mind, let me tell you something, friend. You need to pray in the Holy Ghost. When you start letting life circumstances press you and get the best of you, if you start getting that victim mentality, that Eeyore syndrome, you know, the woe is me. Friend, Jesus has won the victory. You need to pray more in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost, realigns our thinking. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but speaks to God. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Some translations translate that as he speaks divine secrets, hidden truths. Don't underestimate your prayer language. Don't be ashamed of your prayer language. Man, that's your lifeline. That is your secret weapon. That is your secret weapon. It's praying in the Holy Ghost. You need to let that tongue just let it out. You need to sprint. You need to pray more in your tongues than you do in your understanding. Paul says, "I pray in tongues more than you all." He valued the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost was given to a region in Acts 2, and the whole world got flipped upside down. Sure, you're going to have some that mocks and say, look at them, a bunch of drunkards. Look at them, acting like fools out there. Nah, baby, that's just the Holy Ghost. That's the power of God on display because there are going to be others that see a power that's within you. They're going to see a groan. They're going to hear the groan. They're going to know that there's something different about that person. There's a light about that person. That person has something that I need. And what that is is Jesus. You have to pray in the Holy Ghost in these last days. You have to be filled with the power of God every day. Praise God for the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Spirit, it edifies you. It's like spiritual exercise. It's spiritual push-ups. It's going to get you strong. Building yourself up in your most holy faith. Jude says, by what? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Man, I'm so glad to be part of a family that's not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad to have two pastors that allow our worship team to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm so happy that we have two elders that stoke the fire saying pray in the Holy Ghost. Friend, you can't pray too much in the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost in these last days. Come on, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. We don't speak to men, we speak to God. How being in the Spirit, we speak mysteries. Yes, Lord. Oh, it's beautiful. Yes, Lord. Move among us. Move among us, God. Move among us, God. Rebaka tata. Roto reteke. Rutana. Ruta rete. Rebae raba. Let that grow just cultivate. Rebaheshe. Rebahashe. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You shall speak with new tongues. Hey. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm, yeah. 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 The Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. This groan is not words. 
And this is my landing point because this is what I feel like the Lord wants to activate. Hmm. This groan is not a heavenly tongue. It's not a word, but it's a sigh. It's a travail of birthing. When you groan in the spirit, you're birthing something in the spirit. You're birthing something in your life. We go from glory to glory and faith to faith. There's levels. Not into some like elite spiritualism nonsense. But friend, there's levels that you break through as you pray in the Holy Ghost. The Spirit begins to make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Some scholars, they think that the Holy Spirit interprets our groans to God with the right words according to the will of God. I can see that. Because I believe my tears at times have said more words than my mouth has to the Lord. And there is a gift of tears. It's when God breaks your heart for what breaks his. But there's a groan too. There's a groan for more. It's a groan for not being satisfied with a carnal life. Having your mind totally renewed to the things of heaven. Where prayer is important, not necessarily going out. Worshiping the Lord is important, not necessarily being busy. It realigns your thinking. There is a groan of glory from the Spirit of God in you, and we cultivate that groan by praying in the Spirit. Romans 8.27 says this, Now he who searches the minds knows the mind of the, he who searches the hearts, excuse me, knows the mind of, of the spirit. And it's because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I want to read it in the Passion. It says, God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. Yet, he understands the desires of the spirit. Because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. Yes, Lord. The desires of the Spirit is to draw people to Jesus. Holy Spirit's number one ministry is to lead people to Jesus. That's revival. It's when people are led to Jesus. And there's effects of that. People getting filled with Jesus. People getting healed by Jesus. People getting delivered by Jesus. People getting empowered by Jesus. Families being restored by Jesus. Governments changing because of Jesus. Preborn lives being safe because of Jesus. Revival is Jesus. The Holy Spirit accomplishes this through revival and awakening because the Lord Jesus is going to return. He is going to return. This is a reality, friend. He's coming back. There's no, there's no escaping that. He is literally going to, I really believe this, he is literally going to return to the earth. And every eye is going to see him. Every eye, even those who pierced him, is going to see him. And he's going to reveal himself to his bride before he comes back. Because he's coming back for a bride who is made spotless. 
whose garments have been, you know, ironed, doesn't have any wrinkles. A holy and blameless bride, a united bride. You know what unites the bride? The groan of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is literally coming back. And the more I grow in the Lord, the more I get understanding in his word, when this three strand cord begins to function as one and you see the creation grow and you see the bride grown and then you see the spirit grown. I believe it's the bride's groan in the earth that arouses the king off his throne to step right out of heaven. <laughs> the father's plan for our destiny is to be part of that. There's just such a holiness right now that just came into this room. And it's like I could just see it hovering. It's like the Spirit of God hovering over the waters right now. There's somebody in this room that knows they're not right with God. And the Spirit of God is beckoning you right now. You know, right in your heart, that things ain't right. You haven't felt God's presence in a long time. You felt so far away from him, but God is beckoning you. He is beckoning you back to him. He is beckoning you to him. He is a good father. He is saying, come, feel the embrace of my love. You don't have to experience the wrath of God Jesus has made it to where you can experience the love of God. What an awesome trade. Instead of experience the wrath and the separation from God, you get to feel the adoption and the love of God. But friend, you only experience that by accepting that. And you can only accept that if you turn away from your sin into God. God is beckoning. He is beckoning beckoning you. He is drawing you right now. He is drawing your heart. Your heart is about to beat right out of your chest. And this is your night. This is your night to be bold and to stand for truth. Remember what I said, if you stand, it's a testimony. If that's you, I want you to stand right to your feet. If you know you're not right with God, I want to pray with you. Tonight's the night to get it right. You don't have to walk out those doors away from God. Today is the day of salvation. It's appointed once for man to die, but then comes the judgment. Friend, you can pass from judgment right into everlasting life tonight. And I want to tell you, everybody here is going to rejoice. Everybody here, angels are going to throw parties in heaven. Get off that fear. Break away from that shame. If that's you, I want you to stand right to your feet. I want you to be bold. Stand for God. If that's you, stand up. Stand right to your feet. Lord, I take the keys of the kingdom that you've given your bride. And I unlock the door to destiny for this region and in this body. And the groan of the spirit within your people. I want to make space tonight for Holy Spirit to do something.
I want to make space at the altar for you to be alone with the Lord. Let him cultivate a groan within you. If you got a sound that is in your spirit, just let it out. I want everybody to stand. If you've never been baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, I want you to start making your way out. Make your way out of your seat and standing right up here up the front. Just come right up here. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, in other words, if you've never spoken in tongues and you want to, trust me, friend, you need it. I want you to come right up here and stand right up into this front. And I want those who need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost again, which I'm going to be part of this. I want you to come up too. But I also want to make room for those who just want to be alone with God. To cultivate that groan within you. Prayer team, if, if you would get ready to pray for the people. There is such a holy reverence in this place right now. Holy Spirit, baptize us. Holy Spirit, fill us. Holy Spirit, cultivate heaven's groan out of us. Holy Spirit, we make room for you tonight to move in any way that you want to. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us. Reveal the Lord in his fullness. Pray, team, if you'd come up. in the Holy Ghost. We want to pray for you. If you want to get filled again, we want to pray for you. If you just want to be alone with God and let Him cultivate that groan, I want you to come to your feet. I mean, come to the altar. You don't have to leave here the same way you came in. Fill this altar with fire in Jesus' name. I just really feel like there's some people here tonight that maybe you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, but you're not using it. You're not really walking in, in that. You're not really praying in the Spirit daily. You're not spending time in His presence daily and you just feel a conviction about it. You feel like the Lord is drawing you to more of Him, to more of His Spirit, to, to begin to, to operate in that more, to pray in the Holy Spirit and let God just flow through you and pray those things that He wants to pray through you. If that's you tonight, too, I just want to encourage you to come to the altar just as a fresh a, f a fresh commitment to the Lord and a dedication to the Lord that you're going to open up your heart more to allowing the Spirit of God to flow through you and to operate in, in the Spirit in that way. So I just encourage you to come. Let's just seek the Lord tonight. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for this word that came forth, Father, encouraging us in our faith, encouraging us in the Holy Spirit and in praying in the Holy Spirit, Father, to activate heaven, Lord, to activate your will and your purposes. 
Father, after that scripture, it says, it talks about that, that all things work for good to those who love you and who are called according to your purposes. And Lord, as we pray in the Holy Spirit, those those purposes, those things, those things are working for our good. As we pray in the Holy Spirit, Lord, you are working them out. You are praying the perfect will of God. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Lord, we want more of you. We seek more of you. We desire for more of you. We hunger for more of you. We hunger for more of your spirit in our lives, God. For the movings of your spirit, for your will to be done and accomplished in our hearts and lives, Lord. We seek you tonight, Lord. We seek you and we give you all the glory. All the glory for what you're doing and how you're moving among us. In Jesus' name. anything. If you want to seek the Lord, come forward and spend time in his presence. Spend time seeking him. Pray with one of our team members tonight. Thank you. God bless you.